Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 92. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have Bill Jones. Bill is a second-degree black belt and the owner of top-level martial arts in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. He's a veteran of the United States Army who left a successful career at a Fortune 500 company to pursue his passion for teaching jiu-jitsu. At the beginning of the interview, I asked him when was the moment that he had the spark to pursue his business, and his answer inspired me to title this episode, What is Your Legacy? Stick around for my final thoughts after the interview when I expand on the topic of legacy. Stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Woos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free jiu-jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Bill Jones. Bill has earned several black belts in various martial arts, including a second-degree black belt in jiu-jitsu from Tony Rinaldi and Pedro Sauer. Bill is the owner, head instructor of top-level martial arts. He's a veteran of the United States Army who deployed to Iraq in 2003 and 2004. He left a successful career at a Fortune 500 company and took control of his own destiny by teaching jiu-jitsu full-time. Over the past six years, Bill has grown his business to have 300, 300 members and six employees. Bill, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Professor. Yes, sir. So tell us how martial arts got into your life and eventually jiu-jitsu. How did it go? Yeah, you know, so I've been doing martial arts since I was five years old. So I hate to admit that's 35 years now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think like a lot of people my age, uh, I saw The Karate Kid. It was, it was a popular movie when I was a little kid and, and uh, I fell in love with it. And my mom loved the values that it espoused. And, uh, you know, next thing I know, I was doing Taekwondo, just, you know, like I think a lot of little kids do. Um, from there, I, I just never really quit. I moved, I moved, we moved from West Virginia to Ohio uh, when I was pretty young and I started doing Kung Fu at that time. And, uh, you know, as time passed that, that molded itself into uh, Shotokan karate and Aiki Jiu Jitsu. And then after I came back from the military, I discovered Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and absolutely fell in love with it. Um, you know, I had a lot of experience and everything, but, uh, you know, the funny story I tell people is when I was a senior in high school, I actually wrote a 10 page paper. Because uh, that that was in the late the, the mid '90s, uh, I wrote a ten-page paper on why jujitsu is ineffective. And uh, if you remember back that time, like that, that was kind of the thing. Traditional martial artists didn't want to accept that jujitsu worked. <laughs> and uh, I was a traditional martial artist to the core at that point. And, and uh, so I wrote that paper as my senior thesis in high school. 
And uh, here I am, you know, 25 years later, that's all I do is Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I, I, I mean, I love other martial arts. I just fell in love with this one so much. It's, it's just a funny ir- irony there. Did you guys train in, uh, in the military? Um, we did. I, I actually taught most of our combatives. Now, we, we were a, uh, a unit that was deployed to Iraq. We're, we're a uh, reserve unit, so we weren't full-time until we got to Iraq. And uh, I, was, I had more martial arts training than anybody, so I would take teams aside and, and show them some things. And, and you know, we have, there's a combatives manual, but uh, that was before they even added Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu into the, the combatives courses for the Army. So, um, yeah, we didn't do jujitsu then a lot of, a lot of wrestlers came in, so we would wrestle around and it was a good time, but, uh, you know, that's, yeah. When I got back from the army, I, what I loved most was kind of the laid back atmosphere. It was very relaxing compared to what I had just been through. And, and, and I didn't even have that egregious of a, de- a deployment. It's just, you know, every you're, you're, you're turned on the whole time and, uh, coming back to the laid back atmosphere of like, Hey man, you know, I'm, I'm teaching the class. My name's Tony, you know, as opposed to like, yes, sir. No, sir. You, you know, yeah. it was just, it was nice. It was, it was a good reprieve for me. So how do you feel you just relate to life? Oh man. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think being laid back is one of the best things about it. You know, it, I, like I said, like you said earlier, I, I, I worked for a fortune 500 company. I worked for, well, I don't know if you want names name, but point is it was a big company and, and uh, there was a lot of pressure sometimes. And, and it, you know, it was, it was easier for me to, to lean, to lay back and say, guys, this isn't that big a deal. We're, we're okay. No one's going to die. If, if this takes another hour, you know, mm-hmm. like we're going to be okay. <laughs> you know, and like just being comfortable in uncomfortable situations, I, I think is the, the biggest benefit of jujitsu. And it's something that, man, I see so many kids and, and even adults struggle with these days. It, it's crazy to me. Um, you know, just not knowing how to deal with pressure and difficulty and challenge. Yeah. And when was the moment, when did you have the spark to pursue your vision? At some point you said, you know what, I'm getting tired of this. You can, and when the start the ideas start cooking? Okay, so um, that's twofold actually. So I've been actually teaching, just teaching things since I was in sixth grade. I, I uh, was asked by one of my teachers to help tutor fifth graders in math, and and ever since then I've I've realized I liked teaching people and, and explaining things to people and, and kind of helping them make those connections. So I've always loved it, but. Uh, when I, des- I decided to actually start teaching jujitsu, um, I taught in my instructor school most of the time, um, but I had moved away to, for, for a job and, you know, just didn't have anywhere around me. And it was, it was about an hour drive to my instructor, Tony's place. And uh, I said, well, you know, I'm a purple belt. I, maybe if I just go teach out of a Taekwondo school or something, you know, I, I don't have to drive as far. So that's kind of how it started. Uh, that was 10 years ago now. That was in, you know, this is our 10th year anniversary actually of that. And uh, from there it started growing. And I, you know, I, I started realizing, I'm like, you know, this is just what I want to do with my life. Like I really enjoy helping these people because you see the impact it makes in their lives. You know, people come in and, you know, I had a guy tell me the other day, he, he's like, yeah, my wife wants to move. I told her we can only move this far and we have to stay in this range because I don't want to be too far away from the school. And I was like, dude, you're making like huge life choices based on, you know, where the jujitsu school is. And he goes, oh, you have no idea how much it means mm-hmm. to me. And I'm like, 
that, you know, to have that impact on someone's life, you know, some people go through their whole life and never know what kind of impact they have. And to be able to see it and have people tell you that is, it's very rewarding. You know, even, even if the money isn't as good as what it, what I made back in, you know, working for a big company, it, it's, it's very internally rewarding. Um, so I, back to the story, I'm sorry, sidetracked there, but, um, yeah, I, I was working. I can tell you the exact moment that I said, that's it. I'm done. We're out. So, uh, the company I worked in was FDA regulated, which is, uh, you know, there's a lot of I's the dot and T's the cross and your paperwork has to be just right. And, and that's good. That's, that's important um, for, for that company. It's good because the, you know, people could get hurt if it's not that way. But uh, we were under some federal scrutiny. They, they were, you know, kind of checking us and, and the management, the upper, the upper level management had made all these cool posters, you know, motivational posters. You see them all the time in different companies, you know, but you know, and you know, I, I don't know, like, you know, things that motivate people, all these sayings, but one of them, stuck out to me and it said documentation is your legacy get it right and like I get what she was trying to say mm -hmm. but man it just hit me I said man if a piece of paper is my legacy like what do I want written on my tombstone what does that little dash in between you know 1979 and the day I die mean I don't want it to be paperwork and that's that's really what what changed right there. My mom had died two years earlier, and I was like, you know what? That's it. I'm done. And uh, I called my wife that day, and I said, hey, I put in my my notice at work. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> what are you gonna do? And I said, gonna make the academy work. And she's like, okay. <laughs> you know, like she went along with it. God bless her. And and uh, here we are. You know, 300 members later. Right on. And how was the mindset back then when you did a transition with you? It's, uh, let's be honest, it's a scary one. You know, you get into security and going into uh, something new. Of course, you have the passion, you have the drive, but, you know, it's, uh, it can be pretty scary. So how was the mindset? You know, I think it's the same mindset as, as when you let someone kind of start escaping a position so that you can hit a submission, right? Like sometimes you got to let them move and it's like, man, if I miss, they might end up in a good spot. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it's the same. It's like, well, you know, I'm going to shoot, I'm going to try this. And if I don't, uh, you know, I might, I might have some tough times for a little while, but in the end, you, you know, I grew up when I grew up, uh, my mom was a single mother. Uh, we, we grew up on, uh, we had some government assistance. Some, I, I don't remember what it was back then, some sort of welfare assistance. I remember having food stamps, standing in line, uh, waiting for the powdered milk and the cheese. And, uh, you know, I grew up just fine. I was fine. I, I'm well adjusted. I'm, I'm healthy. Uh, and I thought, man, you know, if the worst case scenario, you know, I'm, I'm a well-educated, uh, well-spoken, you know, let's be honest, white male, and that helps. Um, and I'm going to be okay. <laughs> you know, even if we have to go on some sort of government assistance for a little while while I get a job, you know, my kids will be fine. Everybody will be fine are fortunate enough to live in a country that, that gives us the freedoms to, to do that. So I wasn't as scared as maybe I should have been, <laughs> mm -hmm. but uh, I had a lot of confidence in, in myself at the time. And I, I would dedicate, I would say that confidence comes from jujitsu, honestly. Yeah. And the thing, I'm, one thing that I mentioned to my wife is that, especially when you're an entrepreneur, but I say from my experience, because 
Uh, I don't know about you or all the listeners, but if you're an entrepreneur, there's um, a good chance that maybe you, you drive your, your wife crazy or your, <laughs> your husband crazy with your crazy ideas and stuff. And then she was like, you're out of your mind. And I tell her that I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm like a quarterback that sometimes I'm going to wing it. And it's going to land it perfectly the way I want is a touchdown. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes way off. Sometimes I overthrow or whatever. But the intention is I'm going in with the intentions of, you know, getting the best outcome possible. But I understand not always going to happening and that's basically that mentality going in and starting a business like yeah man i'm winging it you know and we don't know what's going to happen but uh just having that the confidence the belief that we can get the job done and most importantly man the you mentioned the fulfillment you know and that's what uh was driving you like the teaching or like that the fact of impacting people you know and this uh this definitely it's priceless now, what is um, some of the toughest entrepreneurial experiences that you had in your academy? Things that you had no idea, things that no one teaches, you know, we have to go through and make some mistakes. What are yeah. some of the difficulties that you found in your journey so far? You know, I, th I think uh, most of mine have been with, uh, with dealing with employees mm -hmm. um, and just different personalities and people who, I mean, they care, but they don't, they're never going to care as much as you. Right. And, and understanding that that their level of commitment is going to be different and and the way they you know different employees like being interacted with different ways and so that's that's been a, a challenge to to learn to deal with and and you know try to you know get inside the mind of some of these these people and say well how can i best motivate person a versus person b you, you know like person b might like a lot of praise person a might might just want to be kind of left alone unless they need help you know, you know and 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 then on top of that, you got to trust these people, right? Like you've built this, this, what you consider this beautiful, important thing in your life. It feeds your family, right? And then you've got to hand that over to them and say, take care of this and, and have the, the faith and trust that you've trained them to be able to do that. And, and, uh, I think that's, uh, one of the biggest challenges, um, that a lot of people have. And, and I know it was challenging for me initially at least. And, and I still struggle sometimes, you know, like someone will come in, they're having a bad day. Maybe I'm, I don't key in on it right away and I ask them to do something. And then like, I'm like, well, why are they acting this way? And it's like, you know, when I, I maybe should have taken a step back and said, Hey, how's your day going? Or, or, you know, something real simple like that could have solved the problem before it even happened. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, th I think that's the, the biggest challenge in my mind. And what are some of the things that you did that helped you dealing with this better? Because I know this is, and by the way, this is not, you're not the first one that is bringing this issue here. It's a common, it's very common thing, especially in jujitsu, because you have personal relationships with people, some of their students, next thing they're working for you, you know, it's tricky. Yeah, it's real tricky. And I think what it, what it, one of the things that helped me was just sitting down with a person and saying, Hey, you, you need to understand that I value you. Like you wouldn't be here doing this if I didn't value your opinion and, and, and believe in you. And I want to know how to best help you and, and do it in a way that obviously meets the goals of, of the business we're running. And, uh, I think that helps. I think people in the end want to know that, that what they say and what they do matters. And, um, 
I, I actually had a heart to heart like that before I said, look, you know, you've been with me for this long and, and I really value what you do. And, and I meant it, you know, you have to mean it, uh, you know, I, I don't think they felt valued enough and, and that's helped me just like honest, open conversation. Um, but, but you have to be coming from a point where like in the end you're the boss, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah. I've also done that. Different um, individuals that may be a little more sensitive too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or some of them just don't care enough, you know, like I I've had to get rid of people too. And that's unfortunate. That sucks. That's, that's something that no one prepares you for. Like, Hey, this guy's got three kids and now I've got to fire him. And you've known him for six years because he's a purple belt under you. And, and you know, like that sucks. It hurts. And, and, uh, but in the end, it's like, there's other people who depend on this business doing well, you, you know, not just, not just me, but my, my manager who works for me, the other employees who work for me, uh, the students who come here depend on it being good and, and clean and, and running properly. And, uh, you know, that's, it's, it's tough to fire somebody, but it has to happen sometimes. Yeah. I'm, I have mentioned in, in the past about a book, um, good to great by Jim Collins. It's a great book. I, I think one of my favorite ones with related to business and my main, there's some great points. And my main takeaway is the lesson of the bus that they talk because you got to think about your bus of your Academy and all the listeners. If you have a, some type of business think, I want you to imagine your business being a bus, whatever type of bus it is. And then in front of the bus, you have the, the sign showing where the bus is going. So basically that sign, that's your vision, where you want to take your, your bus. So in order for this bus to get to this, to this final destination or where in the division that you have, three things need to happen. And the number one is have the right people uh, in the bus. We have the right people sitting on the right seats on the bus. Cause sometimes you can have someone that is, it's an incredible whatever quarterback and you put him to be a tight end and be like, no, he should be in a team. He just shouldn't be there. He just should be in a different position. And the third one is if you're, if the person is not aligned with the vision of the bus, where we're trying to go, this person must leave the bus. And that's when it gets tough because we yes. have, again, personal relationships. Someone's been training with you for a long time and like, oh, it's really tough. So, and they say like in order, the way they put in the book, it's like before the bus start, uh, even start moving, you need to analyze who is here, where they're sitting, because the second one of putting them in a, uh, on the right seat, it's important because again, you at least give the chance to test it out. Let me put this person here. Let me try to adjust here. And if it's not really fitting exactly, and then you have to let him go. But that's a tough one. So my recommendation, check out this book if you haven't. Uh, good to great, Jim Collins. Yeah, I wrote it down. That sounds like a great book. Yeah. So uh, what would you say it's a high performance habit, a habit that you have that you practice daily that helps you in, in all the areas of your life? Um, you know, it's going to sound real simple, but uh, I just wake up at the same time every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not even that early. I, I wake up about 7 a.m. every day, um, whether I need to or not. 
and it's not like I'm waking up and then working out right away or anything like that. It, I just feel like it keeping that consistency, even if I go to bed at like 2 a.m. for whatever reason, I'll wake up at seven. Just keeping that consistency really helps me stay focused. Um, so that, that's, that's what I do. I just wake up at the same time every day. No, that's uh, that's a great habit to have. Now, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? When you look back, it doesn't matter if it's jujitsu or life. What pops up in your mind? Well, since since we're talking entrepreneurship and everything, I, I think I'll give you a piece of advice I received from uh, a guy who owns twelve their uh, taekwondo schools in the area, and he looked at me and he said, "You don't know what you're doing." And I said, okay. And, you know, at the time, I, I like I said, I started off just working out of somebody else's school. And I had like 12 students and, and I, I was just moving into my first standalone building. And uh, I had driven past this uh, place that was opening up. It was this big kickboxing place that was opening up and walked in and said, hey, are you guys looking for a jujitsu program? And long story short, I ended up with the owner and he's the one who owns all these Taekwondo schools. And he, and, and he said, look, you know, it's the, the style of jujitsu really didn't match up with what they were trying to do. Um, but he, he said, look, you don't know what you're doing. I highly recommend you invest in, in, in business knowledge. And he goes, you're a black belt. And at the time he was like, there's like 14 black belts total in the state of Ohio. He's like, you, you know, like you're a rare thing right now. He goes, but you don't know what you're doing. You might be able to teach this all day but you're still going to have 14 students if you don't pay attention. And I said, okay. And as, as hard as that truth is sometimes it, it was true. You know, like the more I started looking into, uh, you know, just everything about business and the martial arts business is where I started. Obviously I realized, wow, I never thought of that. I never thought about, you know, building a rotating curriculum versus just having a list of moves. I never, I never, you know, there's, there's just so many things. And, and, how to market, how, how to, how to, you know, analyze your numbers. And, uh, the more I got into that, uh, the more I realized that even though he said it very bluntly and hmm. it, it was true, you know, it's like, it's, it's like when you, you see a white belt trying to do some crazy stuff and it's like, look, 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 you'll get there, but why don't we just learn how to finish an arm bar first, mm -hmm. you know, before you try to spin into it or do something crazy to get there. You know, if you can't finish it, what's the point in flying through the air to get there? And, uh, it, you know, I think that was the best advice is just someone telling me I didn't know what I was doing. Cause, like, Did you have the academy already? No, no I, at the time I, I had worked out of a small, small, small Taekwondo school. Um, the whole building was like 500 square feet. Um, and then I started, I got asked by a guy who owned a big CrossFit facility to start teaching there. So I moved things there. Um, and then a buddy of mine said, Hey, I hope I, I own a building over in Cuyahoga falls. Why don't, why don't you come out there? And, uh, so I did. And that's, that's when I received that advice. So I was just moving into my own place, but even that place that I was moving into was only like 700 square feet. It was really small. And, uh, but that, that advice that I got from him was, was really good advice. I felt like, because I looked at him as a guy who, you know, he's got 12 schools. He's doing what I wanted to do. Right. And, and if he's telling me, I don't know what I'm talking about, then he, he's, 
he has no reason to think mm -hmm. of me as competition or whatever. He seemed very genuine in what he was saying. And, and kind of like right. has a point, right? Like he, yeah. that probably has a point. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, you know, and, and so I, I took it to heart and, and worked on it <laughs> and, and now I do pretty good with it. So how long do you think it took you to, to the Academy to start like flowing well and becoming profit, like solid? Yeah. So, you know, I kind of, Moved along, like I said, as part-time, I would say, while I, would, while I worked a full-time job from 2010 to about 2014. Um, and that's when I went full-time. And, and when I went full-time, it started just flowing. You know, I kind of went into it with a game plan. Um, by, by that time, I had about 60 members anyway. So I had enough that I felt like I could, I could take my time with it. Um, I went in with a game plan, ended up moving the, the facility to a larger facility where we are now. We're actually in the process of moving to an even larger facility here in two months. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it started flowing pretty well pretty quickly because I started learning about marketing and kind of now that I'm full time in it, I, I was able to market full time and, and, and kind of put my efforts into that as opposed to, uh, you know, where I was working. Um, the marketing and, and then just being able to have a good sales process and then finally hiring a second person made it really helpful. Um, right about 130 members. I was like, man, I can't do this by myself. And, uh, I invested in, in the man who's now my manager, you know, the manager of the facility now. Um, and he, he really loves it. If, if, if they say that your employees never love it as much as you do, he comes as close to mm -hmm. loving it as much as I do. And uh, he puts a lot of effort and a lot of time and a lot of hard work in. And, uh, you know, I think that that, uh, that helped me a lot as well. And, and of course, the more you start to grow and then learning that you can, you can hire people in front of programs, you know, as opposed to responding to. And I think that's something a lot of people don't realize either is like, I want to grow. That means I'm going to have to invest and then the growth will happen. You know, it's kind of like if you want to, if you want to, get a promotion at a job, you're better off starting by doing the things that that promotion would entail and then asking for the promotion as opposed to just saying, Hey, can I, I deserve a promotion. It's like, you have nothing to prove that you deserve that promotion. Same thing. Like I want to hire people to help build up a program ahead of the program, as opposed to uh, waiting until I have 30 people that I think want to do it or, or whatever. You know, you've got to build that. Yeah, this is, man, that's a really good advice, especially for people who have their business, regardless if it's a jiu-jitsu school or not. But we all, I, that's how I feel, but we all get a, in a moment that I'm like, man, I'm doing okay, but not that okay to bring one person yet. You know what I mean? It's like you get to like, oh, I'm almost there. And that's the time to take the risk. That's the time to wing it. Like, man, I got to bring someone in. And then I, when I look back, that's one of the things that I drive my wife crazy. You know, because <laughs> uh, as an entrepreneur, you end up sometimes doing stuff in the moment that you're not supposed to financially. That's usually how it goes. Like, yeah. I'm going to wing it. And I'm really hoping it's going to work. And so I try to plan, even in the beginning, how to do stuff like this. Like, hey, I don't know how it's going to be. Let's try for three months. Because I say, like, okay, in the worst case scenario, I know that I can't afford this person's salary for three months. So like, are you willing to do this or try? And if you feel that you like and, if, you know, and good. And that was it. And then kind of start 
and I would do this with different uh, different positions until you get where we're at uh, right now. But definitely, man, it's um, it's a scary. And I see sometimes I have conversations with, and I know each one have their own time, but I feel that some some people get stuck in their business because they're waiting for the moment to have that many more people to then do something else and then time goes by and time goes by be like man one person can help you so much oh it's insane yeah and you're you're exactly right it's at that tipping point where you're like i don't know if i should or not like that you should that (laughs) that that's it just do it you know like um and you know you'll fail sometimes that that sucks too you know like i uh i wanted to open up a uh, kickboxing business and I was going to open up as a second location or like as like a new business all on its own as opposed to something that exists inside my school and uh, I had talked to the landlord we had this piece of uh, property that I was going to start leasing and they were building out well the landlord was taking a little bit longer than what he had told me Um, I hired the people based on on when he said it would be available and, uh, you know, I was training them up, making sure that they knew how to, how to teach kickboxing classes. And, and uh, long story short, the, the deal with the landlord fell through. So I never got the property, you know, and it sucked because then I had to, you know, I had all the loss on my own. If you look at it purely from the money perspective, I lost thousands of dollars in paying these people's salary to train them and, and time. But on top of that, you know, I ended up having to let them go because the program didn't exist anymore. You know, it's like, and it sucked, but you know, that's the risk we take as entrepreneurs, right? Like it, it's no fun. Yeah. It's part, part of the deal. I, I wish, I wish I could say that all my throws are perfect and all touchdowns, you know, but unfortunately it's not it's part of the deal. Now, what did you say when you look back, let's look not that far on back, let's say six years ago, what, advice would you give to the younger bill six years ago when you're like, okay, I'm going all in getting the building. Uh, not that you want anything different because it is what it is. It's all part of the process. But if you could give yourself a little tip yeah, from what you've seen the past six years, what that would be. Don't be so hesitant to spend money on marketing. Um, you know, you've, you've got to, what do they say? You've got to uh, spend money to make money. And, and uh, you know, like I, I just would have spent a little more on marketing at that time. Um, Facebook ads were even more, I mean, they're still very good now, but mm-hmm. they, they were phenomenal. Then it was like a water spigot. You could just turn it on and turn it off. And I would have probably spent a little bit more on the marketing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But in right now, um, what are some of the things that you like to do for like business? Do you, I mean, I don't know if you, you read books, try to get some more information. Do you have uh, someone that helps you with that? Yeah. Um, I, I like to read books. Um, I actually run a, a, a program called BJJ business, you know, to, to kind of help other entrepreneurs who are running BJJ schools. Um, right I don't on. charge for it or anything. It's just something I do on my spare time, but uh, I, I like reading books. Um, you know, uh, profit first, I think is a great book laws of branding or the 22 immutable laws of branding is a great book. Um, Napoleon Hills outwitting the devil, uh, great book. Um, and, and so, so I do that a lot. I, I also invest in coaching programs. Um, you know, again, 
just, just because I think learning is so fundamentally important to being yeah. a, a business owner or, or anybody, whether you own a business or not, you want to be good at something. You have to be open-minded enough to, to learn. And if nothing else, you, you learn what not to do. You know, like if you think that someone's got a system that's just kind of wacky and not right, you know, you look at it and you're like, okay, well, I know I don't want to do that. And there's a lot of value to that as well. Right. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's like, for example, I was at a tournament not too long ago, a jujitsu tournament, and uh, I'm, I'm a heavyweight, so I'm a bigger guy. And, and uh, I've done a, a technique a certain way for years, for years, and, and gotten away with it. But in my division, in that tournament, I recognized that, oh, crap, this technique does not work in my division under that intensity. Um, so I'm not going to do it anymore. You, you know, like, you've got to be willing to to change and to pivot and, and to, to recognize, Oh man, you know, I was getting away with something, but it, that, that doesn't mean it doesn't need fixed. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm right. It means I got away with it. Um, so, uh, yeah, just that ability to learn, I, I think is important as well. Um, you know, one thing that I heard, uh, Tim Ferriss talking was, I never f forgot this was really cool. It, it's saying how there's nothing more profitable than knowledge. You know what I mean? Like, you investing in it, no one's gonna take that from you. And uh, I'm I'm the same way. I'm like really hooked into either seminars or or coaching or books or retreats or whatever. And sometimes it can be I can be in a weekend event and then someone said something for 20 seconds and it gives a little libel like yeah right i'm like man i mean for a two days already worth it you know what i mean sometimes i would yeah. just set something for 30 seconds like 100 percent. yeah, yeah like, I'm i mean i've, I've sat beside people and be like oh i could leave right now and be fine like yeah it's been what you know the events are usually a couple hundred bucks to get into or even you know five hundred dollars and hotel and plane fees and you so you spend like two grand to get there and you're right you know you might listen to one speaker and be like okay i can leave now i've got yeah. everything i need for the next year you know like and that's the same with a book you know you when you yeah. look into a book and sometimes let's say you invest and it's an audiobook a book or whatever but like twenty dollars and then there's one page it's going to make a huge impact like in your business and it just gave you the idea. Maybe it's not even exactly what was said, but something is sparked your brain. You go somewhere else like, huh, wait a minute. And then you just go off because of like $20, you know, yeah. and of course your time that you put into read and everything, but man, there's no way that uh, I just uh, for me, this is not for everyone, but in my case, yeah, I wouldn't be, where I'm, where I'm at uh, professionally, if I didn't look into books and did it like really went after, I've never been great at school, let's put it this way. But like when you get something that you really want to learn and you're interested in, like, yeah, you dive in and then you learn more. And I feel that this is a, something I got uh, really into personal development and personal development just help you with and everything, man. You know, so yeah, I do look into business and stuff like that, but I'm bigger into like, as Jim Rohn uh, used to say, work like work harder on yourself than you do in your job, you know, that it's going to reflect in your job, in your career. Yeah. Yeah, that's now, great. You talk about a few books. Um, 
so too because i was asking like some books you to recommend so oh, you mentioned goodness. yeah which one because i love is that the oh, there's, there's so many there's the laws yeah the 22 immutable laws of yes. branding um is a, is a good book i listened Pro, to I mean, that yeah yeah uh profit first i think is a phenomenal book if, if you want to make sure that you're actually getting money out of your uh business um it's by mike uh, mccallowitz um God, i mean i could go on for days extreme ownership by mm -hmm. by jocko mm -hmm. um you, you know i'm just kind of looking at my list of things that i've i've read in the last two years what would you say it's a book just that i like to buff. ask is a it's a book that when you look of course it's sometimes books come in different moments of your life mm -hmm. but what did you say that is one that a book that made an impact on you uh, that as soon as you read it, like, man, you know, uh, made an impact like right away. Boy, that's a great question. Um, you know, the, I, I guess I, I didn't used to read a lot and I, I've, I've, I'm diagnosed with ADD, whatever that means. You know, I, I have trouble focusing sometimes, but I, I want to say, the book that I'm going to mention, and the only reason I'm mentioning it is because it was the first book that I went through beginning to end in like 15 years, you know, before, since, since I had was forced to in college. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. And it's called the way of the peaceful warrior. And uh, I, I would, yeah, it's, it's an interesting book. It's kind of weird. Uh, and, but it, it was, uh, it was just kind of, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. it, it I think it's just because I, th I, I realized at that moment that I don't have to have a physical copy because for me, I read well, but I read very slowly because I'm easily distracted. And when I was able to put it on tape, I listen very well. I'm, I'm able to hear and retain a lot of what I hear. I'm a very auditory learner. So when I was able to do it that way, I think it turned on a light switch for me that, oh, reading doesn't have to be what everybody always told me it was. It's not the same. I mean, as far as learning how to read, it's not the same as picking up a book, but it, it was just a nice moment for me to say, Oh, I can do this. And since then, I mean, I'm looking at my library. I, I've got probably 200 books on my library that I've read in the last six years, just because I realized if I just listened to them on tape, I, yeah. I I can stay focused. I don't, I don't know why that is. It's just how my brain works. Yeah, but, no, uh, you know, another great one, Can't Hurt Me by uh, David Goggins. Um, mm -hmm. If you haven't read that, that guy's crazy. I know. It's amazing, but it's crazy. <laughs> I've seen some of his interviews and I'm like, dude. Yeah, he's, he's done some amazing things in life. But, yeah, it's uh, pretty crazy. So, um, what are you currently excited about? What's going on? You mentioned it might be moving soon. Yes, we're actually moving my academy. Um, it's only about a mile away, but we're going to have two different mats now. Mm. So that'll open up the ability to have more programming for my members um, and, and just kind of simultaneous programming as well. Um, so that's, that's kind of the major big thing that's going on right now. Now, the other thing I do want to mention and, and is uh, we're doing next weekend, we're doing a 24-hour uh, roll-a-thon. I'm going to attempt to stay on the mats for all 24 hours. We'll see how that goes. I'll probably, <laughs> I'll break down at some point during that. But uh, we have a member who just received a heart transplant. Um, and, and for a while it was, it was kind of shaky as to whether he even would. And I, I'm going to tell you all the companies in the jujitsu community have really reached out. Um, 
God, I hate, I hate to start mentioning the name, but lanky rev gear, um, defense soap. Gosh, I'm going to leave people out and I don't mean to. Um, but I mean, there's just so many of these companies that, that have reached out, sent things to help with this, you know, cause we're going to do a raffle every hour, um, trying to get, just raise money for this family. Um, because it, you know, I mean, medical, it's expensive, you know, and, and, you know, it, recovering from that, assuming his body doesn't reject the heart, you know, and his, God forbid that happen. Um, you, you know, it's going to take a long time. He's not going to be able to work during that time. His wife's going to have bills that need paid. And so, uh, his GoFundMe just absolutely exploded. We shared it. Jiu-Jitsu Times shared it. Um, you, you know, so that, that went crazy. And, uh, you know, we're hoping, we're hoping to raise a good 10 grand for this guy and, and his family. So, uh, that's yeah. probably the biggest event and the most most current one. And then after that is is moving the academy. Okay. Now the last thing I want to ask is kind of go back to the beginning. I found fascinating your kind of breakthrough moment of lo- thinking about your legacy at work. You're like, dude, is is this it? You know what I mean? Yeah. And what is what is the quote? Do you remember the documentation? Is what was? Yeah, it's a documentation is your legacy. And, I mean, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> so how do you feel about your legacy now? You know what I mean? With what you do and how do you feel? Well, I mean, I don't think it's over. So yeah, absolutely. Who knows what it'll be, but at least I know I've made an impact. You know what I mean? Like I, I it's someone I was, I was visiting someone else's house and, uh, you know, they just said something like, man, I don't know what I would do without jujitsu. You know, I, I, I go stir crazy without it. And, and his wife was sitting there and she's like, how does that make you feel when, when, when you hear that? And I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't really even know how to feel. Like, obviously it feels good. Um, but I, I, I was listening to an episode of the Joe Rogan podcast and he talked about like imposter syndrome, right? Like where, mm-hmm. where, where you don't feel you're that big a deal, even if yeah. you are right. Like, like that guy has to know he's a big deal, but like he yeah. says, he feels like an imposter sometimes. And, and, and sometimes that's how it feels, right? Like when people say that stuff, it's like, man, I'm, I'm just some dude, you know, I'm not, I'm no one special, but um, in the end, we're all just some dude. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so uh, it, you know, I, I guess I, I have to be more accepting of the fact that people really count on me being there and really count on what I do and provide for them. Um, but uh, it does. It feels good. It it's nice to know that I'm making an impact and I actually see that. And and even you know a lot of people quit. They come in, they feel that way, and then they quit. And but even even then, it's like at least for a short time, I was able to impact their lives and 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 maybe make their lives better when they needed it most. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know I, that's it's a good feeling. At least. Uh, I like knowing I'm making a difference. I like seeing it. I think it's what attracted me to the military. I, I used to work in healthcare. I think it's what attracted me to healthcare. I think it's why I like teaching is I like knowing that I've made a difference. I like seeing that. Yeah. And I think it's great for, cause I know that probably have a lot of uh, new listeners, students, you know, listen to your students, listen to the interview. Matter of fact, for everyone who's listening, the, the new listeners, at the end of the interview, what I do is just reflect on what was said, and then I create an audio from five to 12 minutes, I call it the final thoughts, 
with the intention to inspire, impact, and improve your life in some way. And I feel that I think you're you're a great role model for for your students to even mention to them about, dude, what about your legacy? You know what I mean? What what are you gonna uh, leave? And that's something that I I'm aware sometimes I'm I'm a little. Uh, not a little bit too much, <laughs> like naive of that. And sometimes you, you don't realize, like I said, like the impact, you know. Uh, but I feel right, that like, uh, being able I mean, to I, impact people to think about their legacies too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how many people listen to your podcast and then take action because of it? I mean, yeah. you, it's hard to know. Uh, you know and, and that stuff matters. Um, yeah, it yeah. still surprised me, you know, when people, because in my mind, I, I know, just having this conversation and put it out there. I don't know how many people are gonna gonna listen to it, and and I have like I do receive messages in there, you know, and people saying they sharing, you know, like I'm always curious, so like, hey, what episode did you like? What was your takeaway? Did you execute on this idea? Did it make an impact? Not just like, yeah, dude, this is awesome. I'm not gonna do it because it gives me anxiety, but this is awesome. I'm like, no, you're actually using it, and yeah. and that is the main thing. So it's cool. Like a lot of the stories that the people send me like yeah man this interview inspired me to do this to that and and i do think about this the my legacy of i was someone that man the time that i was here i was doing my best to try to inspire impact and improve people's lives in some way that and jujitsu is the tool that one of the main tools that that we use that could be in in my case yeah so the academy teaching or I promote events that could be uh, with events, inspiring people as well, nonprofit or coaching or whatever. But everything that I, I do, it's aligned with the same, the same mission, the same uh, message to everyone. So if you're listening for the first time, make sure that you stick around for my final thoughts. And um, yeah, man, I appreciate your time, Bill. Um, I'm glad that you know things are you know going. You're going after your dream, and that's what I always suggest to people, man. Uh, if you're not happy with things, I'm not saying just to like screw it. I'm quitting everything. I'm like, no, get a plan. You know what I mean? Uh, start making some moves. Start making some changes because things things are not going to change it by itself. I saw a quote that I shared a while back, and it it, it says uh, it was Snoopy and and Charlie Brown sitting beside each other, and Charlie Brown said, well, you know, you only live once. And mm. Snoopy said, no, you only die once. You live <laughs> every day. Make the best of it. Yeah, I, so I, I think that's a really important thing to yeah, understand. It is. It is. It's, uh, um, it's very scary. Like uh, sometimes some, some events uh, hit us like we went to we're recording this in 2020. I always like to say, you know, the time that we're recording because in 20 years from now, the episode might be out. Someone is listening, you know, uh, uh, who, who knows? How awesome is that? Yeah, That's I know. Awesome, yeah. But uh, like, for example, one thing that really shocked, not just shocked me, but shocked the world with Kobe Bryant, you're just oh, like, yeah. what? Like, what? You know, out of nowhere, dude. So we never know, like, um, just put a, a, and we don't even know personally the guy. You know what I mean? And then unfortunately, stuff like that happens every day, everywhere with, you know, so many different things. And we just think that, you know, nah, that's 
I have a past, you know, that has gone, never going to happen with me. You know, I'm probably going to live forever. Like, no. <laughs> so uh, uh, right now I'm 45. So I know that I'm like, all right, man, you know, uh, well, hopefully if everything goes well, who knows, maybe I got 40 more years. I don't know. You know, well, who knows, but uh, try to make the best of why you're here, you know? Yeah, I agree. Cool. Thank you so much, Bill. I really appreciate it for all the listeners. Stick around for my final thoughts. Who's? Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with Bill Jones. If you're listening just to the final thoughts on Instagram TV at Gustavo Dantas BJJ, Bill is a second degree black belt and the owner of top level martial arts in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. He's a veteran of the United States Army who left a successful career at a Fortune 500 company to pursue his passion for teaching jiu-jitsu. At the beginning of the interview, I asked, when was the moment that you had the spark to pursue your business? He mentioned that the upper management of his company used to share motivational quotes with employees, and one day they shared the following, documentation is your legacy, get it right. Back then, he was really teaching jiu-jitsu, and he was feeling unfulfilled with his current job, and he thought... Quote, if a piece of paper is my legacy, what do I want to be written in my tombstone? What is the dash between 1979 and the day I die mean? I don't want to be paperwork, unquote. On that day, he decided to put his two weeks notice and decided to take control of his destiny by teaching jiu-jitsu full time. Inspired by his answer, I titled this episode, What is Your Legacy? If you have already been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that sometimes I share some inspiring and informative audios from other people. And today I'm going to share with you a four-minute audio from the YouTube page, Mario Motivation. The intention of the audio is for you to reflect on how do you want to be remembered? What legacy do you want to leave behind? Take a moment to reflect on this and check it out. What is it you want to be remembered for? Think about this question. You don't have to come up with an answer right now. Most of the time, it's not about the answer. Most of the time, it's just about asking the right questions and thinking about it. Who do you want to be? What do you want to become? What is the legacy you want to leave behind? You have to remember, 100 years from now, most of us will be gone. And the only thing left are the memories of the people we leave behind and the actions we took in our life while we're still able to. So which legacy you want to leave behind? Think about this question and decide. Sit down, decide and take action. Because in the end, it will not matter how much money you made, how many titles you had, how many houses you own. In the end, two, three, four, five hundred years from now, people will remember you 
and ask one question. Did he make the world better or worse? That's for you to decide. I cannot tell you what to do. I only can tell you, if you do nothing, you will be filled with regret. If you do not chase the passion in you, your desire, your wishes, your dreams, and giving it to this world, spreading it, making this place we live in better every day, with consistent action and passionate feelings, you will regret it. I rather fail and die than living a life in regret. I want to be remembered as a person who pursued his goals and tried to create something this world can benefit from a long time when I'm gone. This is not about me. This is about the legacy I will leave behind. I hope you enjoyed the audio and you reflected on your legacy. I have a quote to share with you from Peter Stropel, a business strategist. Quote, legacy is not leaving something for people. It's leaving something in people. Unquote. Many people think of legacies in material terms. Big houses, huge savings account, vacations to exotic places. Leaving an impact, though, can be a more powerful legacy. With that said... Leave your legacy in this world and inspire others to do so. Oos. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com. 